Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of The Squad Room. On today's show, Aaron Lohman, NYPD sergeant, social media influencer, and brand new podcast host will be on the show. You might know him as Huge Fat Loser, but he's anything but fat or loser these days. Stay with us. You are a warrior. You are the very best your nation has to offer. They're asking you to lead. Five. We need a bearcat. It's up to us. So 133. I need somebody that's got a visual on where the shooter is. You must be sound in mind, body, and spirit. 43, where's the officer down? I have a rescue helicopter that wants to land and help. This is the podcast that will make you the one. Copy running eastbound. The one that will bring everyone back. Trouble, we have shot fired, shot fired. Give me back up now. Because no one else is coming. We're going to have an officer shot, an officer shot, 100 block of East Street. Suspect is down, suspect is down. This is The Squad Room. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome back for another episode of The Squad Room. This is the podcast that helps you discover the tactics and strategies and mindset for creating a successful life in law enforcement. My name is Garrett Tesla, and I'm on a mission to build a world where first responders wake up inspired, feel confident at work, and go home safe knowing they've spent their time in a worthy cause. My guest today is a fantastic human being, one of my favorite guests ever. It's his repeat appearance on the show, Aaron Lohman, NYPD sergeant, uh, known on social medias as Huge Fat Loser. Uh, has appeared in Men's Health and many other publications in the uh, New York region. Famous for uh, his, I think, 200-plus pound weight loss over the course of just a few years. And now he's out there motivating everybody else to do better. He recently was transferred to the brand new unit at NYPD, the Health and Wellness Unit. And now, rather than be a dreg on NYPD, as he himself would describe himself, he is now leading people towards a healthier life. Couldn't be a more motivating character and someone I've stayed in contact with since his first appearance on the show and uh, failed to mention this to me, must have slipped his mind, but after we recorded this episode and before it came out, he launched his own podcast, which is awesome. So you can check out his new podcast, Notorious HFL, for his insights and his comments and his commentary and he's he's often i think uh on on point with what's going on in the world real quick before we get to our guest if you want to know how to support the show if you want some cool swag check out our shop you can go to the squadroom.net and select our shop or go to our website for our clothing which is a worthy cause life.com that is the it's it's a different name but it's the same stuff and it's the same idea and you'll hear you or you'll see rather Lots of themes from the show, from the intro here. You'll see those themes come up in some of the posters and the t-shirts and the coffee mugs and stuff that we have there. And it's a cool way to support the show and get something out of it as well. This episode is sponsored by Signature Coins. For months now, I've been looking for a way to say thank you to my guests and supporters. And after being involved in a major international incident recently, I was given quite a few challenge coins. And I was surprised at how much each of those meant to me. So I decided to make a squad room challenge coin to share with guests and supporters. I went searching for a company who could meet my high standards, but I was still nervous about making a purchase like this online. Most challenge coins you order these days are ordered online, produced in a factory far, far away, and tracking down someone in customer service can be, well, a challenge. And I'll admit that I'm kind of old school, and I prefer to look someone in the eye when I'm about to spend that much money. So I delayed on a decision on a vendor for a long time until I found Signature Coins out of Florida. It turns out some of the guys at Signature Coins actually listened to the show. And when I contacted them, we connected immediately on our shared purpose of honoring this profession that I love so much. Daniel, Trey, Jeff, and all the other guys at Signature immediately put me at ease with making such a big purchase, and they bent over backwards to make sure that the coin I wanted that was in my head came out as a reality that I'm now holding in my hand. Now, if you're like me and you haven't drawn anything since it involved a crayon, have no fear. Signature Coins has 30 graphic artists on staff right in their Orlando office to help, and they don't charge a single penny to get your artwork ready for production. That is a big difference from other companies that often charge an artwork fee, or maybe you have to hire an outside designer. Signature Coins does all the art for free with no obligation to buy. 
They also have inclusive pricing, meaning that you're not going to get hit with a hidden upcharge at checkout. A 100% guarantee on their craftsmanship and free next day shipping in the U.S. And their customer service team is right there in Orlando. Their turnaround is quick, about two weeks, which is super fast for coins. And like I said, free next day shipping when your coins are ready to go out the door. I couldn't be happier with my coins, and I couldn't be happier that I got them from Signature Coins. If you're looking to make a challenge coin of your own, you can find out more about them at SignatureCoins.com or email info at SignatureCoins.com, and Jeff will hook you up with a quote. If you use the coupon code THESQUADROOM, you'll get $50 off your first order. Learn more at SignatureCoins.com. All right, so here we are now with our guest, Aaron Lowen, Huge Fat Loser, NYPD. Aaron Lowen, welcome back to the squad room, buddy. Hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be back. You've always been one of my favorite guests uh, on the show, and I'm not just saying that because you're uh, uh, on camera in front of me right now, but I just love uh, I love what you're doing on Instagram, which is kind of where you got your, 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 your Insta-famous now. You're an influencer these days. God, no. <laughs> Please don't say that. But last time I had you on the show, which was way back, uh, like literally back in the day at this point in terms of podcasting anyway, um, Really liked your message, how you approach uh, your own changes. And then in the entering, it's been, I think, three years since I've had you on, maybe two. Yeah, probably three. Yeah. So in that time, uh, you really have become an influencer of a lot of cops, not just NYPD where you work, but around the country. And really been awesome to watch you find your voice and your planting your flag right so uh, i want to get into all of that stuff but just excited to have you here for the people that haven't gone back and listened to that other episode or that don't follow you on socials yet give us the the quick synopsis of your career and 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 who you are um pretty much i'm now a sergeant with the nypd i was a police officer for uh 12 years before i decided to become a sergeant and take the test uh, I did 12 years, uh, mostly enforcement stuff, patrol, and uh, I decided to, you know, my police career, like, led me into being, like, high levels of stress, uh, eating a lot, and gaining a lot of weight, and then I gained a lot of weight to the point where I was over 425 pounds, and then I had a nightmare one night and where I died at work, and uh, I left my family alone without me, and I just... From that point on, I just changed my diet. I changed my. I, I started exercising every day, and that led me to, to changing so much more about myself, and pretty much just changing my whole lifestyle. Just trying to be a better person every day. Mm, yeah, and that and your first appearance on the show was really when we dove in deep into kind of the tactics you used in 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 that. But you know that story now of. Having that nightmare and leaving your family, I think that's something a lot of us have had in one version or another, or at least the thought. But the fact right. that you're able to go out there and do that—I mean, I mean, you're you're a tall dot, you're a big dude, but I mean, I don't mean just weight. You're a tall guy, right? But yeah, even I'm six then, four. Yeah, at four hundred, was it thirty-five pounds? I was at least four twenty-five. My scale only went up to four twenty-five, so that's right. that's, that's the number I used. And so, but that story of losing the weight, and now, dude, I look at your posts and your photos, and like. You're the you're the epitome of a fit cop, you know. Thank you. And I mean, I'm still working, but thank you. But that's well, that's part of it, right? It's like you're there's never you've made this point. There's never a day that you're not working on it. You're either working on it and getting better, or you're regressing and going back to where you were. So you of all people are always the one out there posting those photos of being in the gym and the motivation to like go out there every day and just keep grinding at it you know to, to, yeah, I, to... I know how hard it is to listen i know how hard it is and even myself as much as i've been doing it as long as i've been as long as i've been doing it there are days where i don't want to be there like a lot of those posts where i'm posting motivation is like really me talking to myself because i know that there's other people out there feel just the same way i do and like they need that like little extra push yeah do you find too that um now you now that you have an audience like this, like it, it helps hold it helps hold you accountable to that. Oh my god, so much yes, and I I recommend this to people all the time, and I say, do you really want to like change? Then start an start a social media account, make it public, <laughs> make your goals known to not only the people around you but to the general public because it's a lot 
it's easy to fail to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to fail in front of other people. And it's so true. Like there's times where I'm like the people around me definitely like just being, I guess, like out there and people will know if I'm doing it or not, if I like give up or not. So I, I have to keep going. It's, it's definitely kept, kept me going for sure. Yeah. But I imagine too, you get a lot in return. You get a lot. Do you, you must have people reaching out to you and, and sharing their experiences and, and how you've motivated them. That also must be really inspiring for you. One hundred percent. Um, there's days where like, I want to shut down Instagram and just like, forget it. You know, like this is like, you know, you see a lot of negative stuff on Instagram a lot. And like you question all the time, like, am I, is, are people listening? Like, am I like doing the right thing? And then like people will send you messages of like, you know, how they changed their life based on something that you said or something that you did or something that you posted and like how you keep them going. Like I've had people who were like, dying of cancer like message me and say like listen man you keep me going like to me i'm like dude i'm just a guy who like lost some weight and like try to be positive and make every day great but for you to tell me like you're dying of cancer like something way more serious and you tell me that i inspire you like i literally like like sometimes i'll like i'll be in tears like it's 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 crazy like Mm -hmm. but you know it's 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 not just it's not a just air quotes you know um because I think our community especially is so is just dying for authenticity, right? And and dying for people to be authentic and and honest about it and like uh, another thing you're great at is just like drop the pretense and the and the pretend about being the hardcore uh you know the nothing affects you kind of cop like you got to you got to embrace and tap into the things that got you to 435 pounds. Or you're never going to change it. You're never going to change it for any length of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to listen. We're all people. At the end of the day, we put on a costume to be a cop <laughs> for however long. And like, I know that there's that cliche phrase, like, "Oh, you're a cop 24 hours a day, seven days a week." Like, yeah, you are technically, but like, you're also definitely not. Like, you're a human. In like, when you have that uniform on, and when you have it off, and like, once you give up that shield. A gun and shield for the rest of your life, you're going to go back to being the person who you were before. So being a human and being in touch with who you are as a person is way more important than, you know, being the hardcore, you know, go-getter slash Punisher skull cop like all the time. So that's I, – I want to dig a little further into that because this is something that I'm a little late to the game in understanding is that, like, you're not going to fix – uh, you're not going to fix the weight, for example, or you're not going to fix the bad attitude, or you're not going to fix the ability to manage stress if you don't fix what's going on underneath that, right? And right. so I'm curious for you, if you're willing to share, what were the things, and, and maybe the better question is how you were man- you were managing stress through eating, right? Correct. And 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 that's I think a super common. Whether you call, go, go so far as call it an addiction or a habit or a crutch, I, that's such an easy thing for people to gravitate towards. You know, it's like you can get a, you can get away with not drinking alcohol for your whole life, right? Like that's that's yeah. easy, but you still have, but you have to eat, and so yeah. it's so easy for our our any community, but our community to go towards the food, and I think. Uh, then you add to that the whole like squad dinners or squad breakfasts and then the donuts that come into the station. And there's almost a cop culture around food, right? I mean, the, oh, jo- 100%. the joke is you go to a, you go to a new, a new town, you ask the cops where to eat because they know all the good places. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So the, I guess my question in that then is like, how did you go about addressing the underlying issues that resulted in the outward appearance of just eating too much. Here's the thing is like, I didn't even know that I had those issues until I started taking care of my nutrition and working out. As I started working out, I realized that I was less stressed out, that I was less, that my mind was more clear, like that my thoughts are more clear. So Mm -hmm. it led me into like almost more of like a self discovery. It's like, why am I more, why am I less stressed out now that I'm working out? Like, why is you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and then I started looking at, um, okay. Uh, and another thing is this right around the time that I started working out and getting in shape, 
I had just gone through something like really, really shitty in my career. Am I allowed to curse? I'm sorry. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, right. This is a show for cops, man. I, I forgot. I forgot. I, would have, know, I, I, I wouldn't have a know. podcast okay. if I could. So I became, you know, when I first got sent to the command that I was at, I was a very uh, unhappy, unmotivated, angry, miserable guy, hated the job, hated the career, hated everything about it. And then I started working out, so it got better. And then you know what happened is I met a cop who was exactly almost in the same scenario that I was in, and I saw how he was being. And I was like, wow, this guy's an asshole. Mm. And then it caused me to self-reflect like, oh, my God, am I being like that guy? If I'm being like that guy, I can't do that anymore. Mm. And, like, I progressively started to see. I used to be the angry, like, ranting on Facebook guy, like, everybody hates the cops, fuck the public, like, all this, like, stupid shit that I look back at now, and I'm like, I didn't really feel that way at all. I was just angry at myself for, mm. like, letting, like, losing self-control, like, putting my whole life in my career, where, you know, not putting enough time in my family, not putting enough time in hobbies that I enjoy, that, like, I started lashing out at everybody and just being miserable towards everybody. And, like, the second I started to, like, realize that and dissect that in myself, which is hard to do. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of losing – I'll tell you this right now. Like, losing weight, getting healthy, that stuff, to me, was – that's hard, but it was way easier than, like, self-reflecting and dissecting <laughs> yourself as, like, a person. Totally. And a lot of, pe a lot of people won't – can't and won't do it. And that's why you see so much – arguing and fighting on the internet like mm -hmm. uh, people everybody's trying to prove their point on why they're right but like we all know we're all cops we know that the true story is somewhere in the middle of that yeah. you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah. and like we can't do that with ourselves like we're like i'm right screw you like uh, this is my opinion you know i have learned throughout my life i mean listen i've had a, i had a pretty traumatic childhood like i was an abused kid like all this stuff and like I've had like several traumas. Like I was, you know, I was bullied. Now, I'm not bringing this up so like we'll all feel bad for me, but I'm just saying like those things in my life like prepared me almost as screwed up as they were mm -hmm. to deal with things from like different perspectives and different ways of life. Like so, I've used I, I managed to use all those tools to just dissect myself, like you know, dissect myself and be like. Yo, what am I doing here? You know, like how, why am I acting like so angry and so miserable? And I talk to cops all the time now who are how I was. Mm -hmm. And I could tell sometimes they're like, yeah, right. Screw you. Like, what, what do you know? And I'm telling you right now, I know. I just did a video for my own department. Pretty much. It's not out yet. It'll be out, I guess, whenever they edit it. And it's pretty much about how working out and exercising and finding something that I could control in my life that at that time, my life seemed so out of my control mm -hmm. because we deal with very out of control situations every day that that almost like reeled me in. And I had something to look forward to that I could control. And by controlling that, I realized in my life, the things that I was actually able to control and the things that I could not mm -hmm. and the things that I could not control. I just let them go. That's it. I stopped getting stressed out about them. And I started focusing on the things that I could control and I could change. And my life seemed a lot more manageable, a lot more happy. And, I, you know, I focused on the things that actually mattered. It's really interesting. You know, there's two points in that I thought thought when you're when you're speaking there. And this, this is a quote I heard recently from a guy. Love to have him on the show. His name is Peter Crone. And he was. Oh, I know who he is. You know, yeah. OK, so he's amazing. Like. This yeah. kind of blows my mind. He call, he's called the mind architect. He works with top-level athletes and kind of he's a, he's a mindset and performance coach, right, for people who don't mm -hmm. know who he is. Uh, amazing insights. And you, so you know the quote then, but just when you're talking to the, about that guy who um, you saw and you compared yourself to and realized you were him, I love his quote, uh, and I'm going to screw it up probably, but uh, life will present you with people and circumstances to to show you where you're not free. Yeah, and I absolutely. and that's life showing you an example of where you weren't free. You know, you're that guy. And like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't want to be that. And then yeah. the second thought I had when you're talking about that, there was like, it's interesting that you, for you, it was the exercise first, then you res helped resolve these other things. And yeah. I have for years done that same thing and thought, oh, I just got to get back into the gym, and then. 
things will things will you know settle down and flatten out and I'll feel good and I found out that I'm probably the opposite you know uh-huh. and I had to go out and do that deep work first figure out how to do it like you said uh-huh. like really that self reflection is tough to be willing to do it and oh, then man. as I as I navigated those things and I just put working out and I put all everything else on the back burner for a while and really dug into the the self reflection stuff, the issues, as Peter would say, finding out where I'm not free. Um, that's when I lightened up and was able to start looking forward towards things like taking care of myself better and and exercising. And I'm staring at my uh, we're doing this, and I'm in my garage at the moment, and uh, yeah. I'm staring at my barbell and my squat rack right above the computer. Right, like, I know you're lucky. To- you're lucky that you have that right now. Yeah, I totally am, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I am lucky I have a, a home gym set up now. And it sat dormant for for a long time because I was trying to cover up some of those issues with working out when I needed to kind of put those things front. And so I bring that up only to show people or demonstrate to people that it might happen either way, you know, oh, and, there's, and, and there's no right or wrong way. But to be prepared as you begin an exercise routine to realize that you might end up – stuff is going to come up, right? As yeah. as you start working out, as your body feels better, as your sympathetic and parasympathetic system be able to are able to activate more, things are going to come up that you're going to have to deal with, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. No, it's true. It's, it's really yeah. wild. So – it is. It's like, uh, and you know, it's funny. It's like I'm not. I I do meditate sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. but like I'm not like one of those like spiritual like meditation like yoga people. I've done yoga. It's great. But my captain is a certified yoga instructor, and I have another certified yoga instructor in my unit. And like, they're more spiritual than me when it comes to that. And it's like, but like to me, like working out is almost like the same thing. Like you're by yourself. I work out by myself 99.9% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really just me. I'm alone with my own thoughts. It's almost like the same thing as meditating under heavy weight is what I call it. Like, yeah. and like you really think about things and you start to like have, be alone with your own thoughts. And like, mm-hmm. it really, I don't know. It really helps me. Iron therapy, you know? Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> yeah, I think any of those things, I would encourage people to do anything alone, you know, because because yeah. the first thing you got to do is 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 eliminate the external noise, right? Whether that's chatting with your buddy, or uh, uh, you know, being in a gym with lots of other friends, or doing a team sport. Like, if you really want to tap into those things, eliminate the outside noise, so that you can then pay attention to the inside noise, which is inside mm-hmm. your own head between your two ears, and then you're able to start quieting that noise too. You know, yes. so for some people, it's hiking, or it might be biking. It might be iron therapy, lifting weights. It could just be walking, right? Yeah. But something where you're able to to quiet the outside world, and a lot of these things are going to come up, and then you get them out, and you feel it feels a lot better. So much better. You know, when we talked last, at least you know on the record, you were kind of on the fence about promoting to sergeant. weren't sure if you're going to do it or not. And you obviously you mentioned earlier that you're you're now a sergeant. Um, and you have been for a little bit now. I'm always curious about the decision to promote and what makes people decide that they're ready for that step. Can you tell us about it? Um, throughout my career as a cop, I was always kind of like the guy that people like, not, I mean, maybe, I don't know, ask questions. I'm not going to say looked up to because I feel like that's like promoting myself as being like this like guy, but uh, I'm not that type of person. And then I was in an opportunity where I was able to like get a little bit of studying done at work. And I had two cops that I worked with my former partner who I also met at that time when I was being a negative person. She was such a positive light in my life that like, so it was her and then her now partner. They were like, you know, you pretty much like they like forced me to do it. So I signed up to take the test and then I didn't study. And then what happened was there was this like scandal involving like the testing process. So they pushed the test back like six months more. So I didn't start studying until that point. Until they announced <laughs> that they that they delayed the test, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start studying. They delayed the test. I'm going to start studying. And everybody else was like so far ahead of me studying. And I just 
I studied. I took it seriously. I really, you know, I took all the, like, I don't know how it is out by you, but by me, there's like tons of promotional classes and things you can learn. And I really took it seriously. I really studied and, uh, I wanted to be different Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get promoted so that I could put forth like all my, like I've been through so much shit on this job that, and in my life that like, I just wanted to be a boss, a supervisor or whatever leader that people could come to with anything. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be like, I don't know. At my first roll call, I pretty much said that none of us know everything, right? I've got promoted and yeah, sure. It gave me this rank. It gave me like the stripes on my sleeve and it is what it is. But I don't know what it's like to be a cop in this command. You guys do. And we all know a little bit. And, like, we can all f- figure it out together. Like, and that's just, that's it. Like, I looked forward to being, like, the person on the team who could impart some, at least a little bit of wisdom to other people and take care of them when, you know, shit hit the fan or whatever. Like, that was, that's really honestly was and still is my whole intention in not even just being a, 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 a leader and a supervisor, but being a cop now in general. Like that's that's like what I you know what, what I care about. So I wanted to be the complete opposite of every asshole boss I ever had. You know, like <laughs> I, you know, for some reason, how it is a lot of times. I don't know how it is by you. People take promotion exams. They get promoted. There were one person when they were a cop. Mm-hmm. They get promoted and then they become like the supervisors they hated when they don't even when there's no nest no necessity. Like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I understand like I understand that there's a reason that like certain things exist, but just because your boss when you were a cop was an asshole, doesn't mean you gotta be an asshole. It doesn't mean that you have to do the same stupid things that they do. No. Like take the second to like explain to your cops, like let's say they got a shitty assignment. Just explain to them why that shitty assignment exists, why they're doing it, and try not to give that cop the same shitty assignment every day. You know, it's just so simple. And if they need a day off, just try to make it happen for them. You know, I I don't know. And you know what? I was very successful at doing that. Like, and my guys would tell you that, you know, I tried my hardest to to help them out. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the type of person who like, self-celebrates and says I was great or whatever because I'm sure I did things that were annoying as shit to them, <laughs> you know? But listen, I tried and, like, I, the, the cops in this department and underneath me are probably the most important thing to me on this job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's frustrating <clears throat> that that happens, you know. You get promoted or someone gets promoted and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what happened to Steve, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, uh, no, it's crazy. And I wonder, I, mean, I think so much of it is, and I, you're such a huge organization, you know, especially compared to, to like mine, but to like every other police department in the world, you are gigantic, right? I mean, it's NYPD. Yeah. It's like, last I checked, it was like 42,000 officers. I don't know if it's still that way. But, yeah. but is there anything within NYPD about succession planning and uh, like how to be a leader, like how to go do the job as a good person? Because there is such an opportunity in in these large organizations, especially, but for anybody to like, like I always talk about my struggle when I, when I got promoted, it was the best advice I got was take care of your people, but, but they didn't tell you what take care of them meant. Did take care of men, like right. protect them from the management? Did it mean train them? Did it mean, you know, it, 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 that could mean a whole bunch of different things. And it, and it took me some time to figure out what that meant to me and to my guys and girls but um yeah i guess i'm rambling i gotta i gotta i i'll ramble for an hour about how important i think this is but we put people in leadership positions without any leadership training and expect them to be leaders naturally and you and i both know that leadership is not it's 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 not about a test it's not something you can check you know d all of the above and oh this guy's a leader you know yeah of (laughs) Um, course and it's not something that you can learn on the job. I, th- I absolutely believe it's something that is ingrained in the person. You either 
have it in you or don't. And I do think that most everybody has the ability in them to be a leader. I refer to every listener of the show as a leader, right? But yeah. But how do we tap into that and then encourage people to become leaders? That's such a uh, uh, wrapping your head around that challenge. Uh, what does NYPD have for for your people who get promoted? Whenever we get promoted, we go through like a they call it. It's like it's leadership training. It's like a it's a every every rank has it. Every rank has their own type of leadership training, mm-hmm. you know. And listen, some of it's good, some of it sucks, and even the good stuff. If you're in that class. And you're checking out and don't give a shit. It's just going to go out the window. And you're, you're like, yeah, you'll yes this instructor to death, but then you're just going to go right back to mm-hmm. being how you were as a person. Or because I'll tell you what, when I sat through leadership training, there were some good pieces of advice in there mm-hmm. that they gave us. But then you go to a command and I don't know whatever it is, like you become a sergeant and then like, Maybe your lieutenant's a dick or whatever, or your captain is, you know, is not great. And a lot of guys, instead of like um, being like, okay, I'm going to take one for my people underneath me, which is what I would do every single time, they're like, no, shit rolls downhill too bad. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not about, I've never been and never will be that type of guy about that life. And I've, I say this, I will stand in my commanding officer, commanding officer's office for six hours while he screams at me, and then I will not say a single word to my cops. Mm-hmm. If I don't think that they did anything wrong, I just won't, you know? And I, I just think that that is something that's just, it, like I said, traumatic childhood. Like, I could just, <laughs> like, sit there, I could take it, and like, all right, see you later, you know? As long as my guys are getting out there, getting the job done, mm-hmm. and doing it right, and nobody's getting hurt, and they're not being reckless and like violating like crazy procedures and breaking the law. Listen, man, I got to have their back. And that is, that's it. The job is way too complicated and like way too like crazy to just, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I, it's, I remember uh, when I got promoted, it was like the, you know, the memo flew, but I wasn't wearing stripes yet. So it was like, you know, like a two, three week period or something like that. And I remember just having a conversation with someone in the parking lot on my station who pulled up and I'm like, I'm walking out for the day. And they asked me what I thought, you know, I'd have to, what would be my biggest thing uh, or the biggest challenge to when I, when I made Sergeant and I uh, kind of shrugged and said, you know, I think the job is pretty easy. You know, you just, uh, you go out and you follow case law and you follow policy and procedure and you use common sense and you're good. And I made a comment about how, you know, I'm going to, I was going to a squad of, of veteran officers and like, they're all self-sufficient and they're kind of on autopilot. Like, I'm good. I, I laugh at myself now after being a sergeant for almost eight years at how I thought the personality issues and personnel issues would be such a minuscule part of my job on a daily basis as a sergeant. Right. Yeah. So, and that's 90% of probably what I deal with on a day-to-day basis is, you know, yeah. The internal issues, the drama, uh, oh. people's people's off duty drama that incomes in, you know, um, the work product. Like that's ninety percent of the job. What's the biggest surprise you've had since becoming a sergeant that you you thought the job was one way, but actually it's this way? I would say one of the things that I always so if guys need a day off, I was always under the assumption, like as a cop, like, Oh, I need a day off. Oh, you got denied. And that was it. Like roll <laughs> admin denied you the day off. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was a way that like you was a sergeant could like hook your guys up and be like, Hey, listen, I'll take like, you know, there's ways to do it. Now. I didn't learn that until I had a, like a guy, obviously who was more senior of a supervisor than me. The guy was awesome. And he's like, he pretty much like, taught me i saw him do it and i'm like oh you know what you could do that you know what i mean like things like that stuff surprised me that you could actually be you could actually help your guys a lot more than i guess i was being helped as a cop by a supervisor so but um the hardest thing to me to be a supervisor from being a supervisor is um i mean i guess not trying to like 
not tr- expecting your cops to be like the same type of cop you were really like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and yeah, that's it. You know, every cop has their own individual personality, their own way of doing police work. And then you just got to like, remember that, um, as long as the job gets done and gets done properly, it doesn't matter really like, you know, in ancient Rome, soldiers would step into battle to fight for the empire. But they also had bills to pay and family back home to support. Doesn't that sound familiar? Well, if soldiers performed well in battle, they would be paid in gold coins. If they performed with exceptional valor, they would be given an extra coin. Legend has it that this coin was often minted with the name and symbol of the legion in which they served, and that soldiers would hold on to these coins as proof of their bravery. This made their coins a prized possession. Throughout history, unique coins have been part of nearly every warrior tradition. There's a story from World War I in which an American pilot was held captive as a German POW and stripped of all of his personal identification. He escaped the POW camp but was detained by the French who thought he was a German spy. He carried with him a coin with a symbol that one of the French soldiers recognized as that of an American squadron. The coin saved his life. Challenge coins remain an important part of this warrior tradition including those in law enforcement and the other first responder professions. Signature Coins out of Orlando, Florida, is my choice for challenge coins for the squad room. Their staff of artists can create and make most any design a reality, and their quality is top-notch. The people at Signature Coins are complete professionals like you, and they take their jobs seriously. Quality is their priority, and I can tell you that it shows in the squad room coins that I ordered from them. You can check out their handiwork on my Instagram at the squad room. For more information or to get a free quote with no artwork fee, check out their website at SignatureCoins.com. If you use the coupon code THESQUADROOM, you can get $50 off your first order. That's SignatureCoins.com. Now, back to the show. Yep. I had that lesson as a, um, uh, when I was, uh, I was still, I was still just a, you know, not a just, but I was a deputy sheriff rank. And uh, <clears throat> was complaining because you know, I was a proactive guy. I like to go out and 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 snoop and hunt and you know arrest yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like, geez, this job would be pretty boring if you couldn't do any of that. You know, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the fun part. And so uh, I was bemoaning the fact that some of my partners didn't share that same enthusiasm for you know getting out of the station as I did. And uh, I had a I had a what we, we call senior deputy with corporal basically, you know, pull me aside and just be like, look, man, not everybody can be a Garrett. <laughs> you know? And I thought, well, <laughs> I thought, well, why not? You know, like I'm out here, I'm producing and I'm making good arrests. Like yeah, we should expect more, but uh, it was one of those things too, that I got into the sergeant role and realized, yeah, no, you can't have a squad of all the same high, high performance no. or high go getters, high, pro, highly proactive. Like, it, it's pretty rare to, to interact with a group that's that cohesive. You know, we're just, like you said, no. we're humans. Like, we're all different and people. Not, and not only that, like, it's like, yeah, you might be really great at, like, going out and finding bad guys, you know? Mm-hmm. But you might really suck at handling your jobs on the street, like the, the aided cases. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But there are guys, there are guys, and I told them this, and I, I have this thing that I did when I was a sergeant. Uh, unless... I pretty much try to give everybody good evaluations because, every, you know what I mean? Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. There's guys who wouldn't make an arrest in like three months, but it didn't matter to me because they were handling everything the way that they were supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like whether they have issues at home where they can't make arrests, like, oh, like over, they can't make overtime, they can't stay, like all this type of stuff that like yeah. they have going on. Like numbers, listen, numbers, I'm not a numbers guy. Numbers don't matter to me. They never have, mm. you know, like I was an arrest guy because I enjoy doing it right. not because I was like trying to like stack bodies and like, you know, make numbers and all this stuff. Like, right. you know, I'm not like that. Yeah, I, I yeah. just enjoyed it. But some guys don't. And, but some guys strengths are like their ability to talk to people and just like handle situations. And like, you have to respect that too. Yeah. That's, that was a lesson and something once I became a sergeant realized, you know, we've talked on the show too, a lot about it, but this job is so just massive, right? Like yeah. you have, you have everything from like a school resource officer who needs to be able to interact with teenagers in a, in a, in a, in, a man, in that manner. Like, that's the last job I want. Right. But then you yeah. go all the way. Yeah. Then you have community service officers and you have 
and narcotics and you have major crimes and you have homicide all the way to like the hardcore ESU or SWAT operator, right? right. Uh, so it's a huge spectrum of personality that comes into the job. And we need a huge spectrum of personality in the job because the hardcore SWAT operator is not going to be very successful talking to the teenager, you know, and right, vice yeah. versa. So that was one of the things, too, that I learned was like, oh, that's that's why everybody can't be in Garrett is because we we all do have skills. I am not an SRO. I will never want to sit in a high school. But there are other guys who absolutely thrive on it and we yeah. need them. And that was a that was a big lesson for me. You you did a lot. You how does it work for NYPD? You when you get promoted, do you go to a patrol squad or a, a shift or do you go straight back to a specialty assignment you came from? Um. If you're lucky, well, not if you're lucky, because I was very lucky to go back to a good patrol unit. Mm-hmm. But like, there are sometimes you get retained um, to what the unit where you were before. You were in a specialty assignment. But I personally went back to a patrol unit where I did, you know, I did midnight patrol. Mm-hmm. And is what's been your favorite assignment so far? Now, I mean, you're in a new one now, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what's been your favorite ever in my career? Mm-hmm. I mean, they all have different things. Like, the gang unit was good. I, I mean, anti-crime I did for so long, which was a plainclothes unit in, in a command where you just, like, you know, you, like, target, like, crime. And then um, street narcotics enforcement unit was great. Listen, I, <laughs> the thing is, like, I lo- – You got a I've, big smile on your face, too, as you're talking about this for everyone who yeah, can't no, see I, you. Like, listen, I've loved it all. Like, I love patrol, too. I love – Guys used to get bummed out, like when we were in a plainclothes unit, and they had us back to a patrol. Like me, I look forward. I look forward to that stuff because mm-hmm. you know what? I'm used to grinding it out five days a week and playing clothes. Like sometimes, like your eyes roll in the back of your head. Like you're like, oh my god, what is going on out here? Now it's like one day you're gonna tell me I get to like change it up and actually like answer the radio. And I know like when I was you know you're on patrol and like you hate answering the radio. Like oh my god, another call. This is crazy. <laughs> but like you start to look forward to the. Ch- I look forward to the changes. Same, yeah. You know, like I. I've enjoyed absolutely everything. Same, same way. Like right now, I'm in the. I just moved on to the health and wellness section, mm-hmm. which is more of an administrative position, which is something that I've never done in my entire life and career. It's just something completely unlike what I've done, and I'm still having a good time. You know, everything is what you make it. You know. Yeah. So, I think <clears throat> you can correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously your your weight loss had a huge part in bringing attention to you as a person. And then, I mean, your your story has been covered in like Men's Health, and you've been on the news uh, there in, in New York, and um, you've gotten a lot of good coverage on that. But you've used that platform through Instagram and your handle there, Huge Fat Loser, to kind of bring this message out to people, and 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 really, like we were talking, inspiring others. Um, before we talk about your new assignment, I think it relates to the fact that you're out on social media and that you're open and honest about these things. And I'm curious how your approach to social media has changed since we last talked, you know, three, four years ago when like the idea of cops being social influencers were kind of funny, right? I mean, like, I think you were at like maybe like 4,000 followers or something like that at the time. And there weren't a lot of accounts of individuals who are out there who, who were trying to plant their flag somewhere. So I'm curious now at this point, um, you know, your, your voice is coming around for lack of a better term, your stance. Um, what was that process like? Originally when I started out and like when I first started talking to you, pretty much I was just like a, a weight loss, accountability, help others, like get in shape type of thing. And then I just started sharing my thoughts on everything I felt like you know i didn't want to be around that time like i saw a lot of other influencers or whatever you want to call them out there uh just cornerstone cornered into like one area of their life and like i'm not that type of person like i don't just work out 24 hours a day so i just decided i'm you know i'm like you know what i'm just gonna show people that i'm a real person and i'm gonna tell them how i feel about not just fitness, but about everything that's going on, whether it be in policing or the news or, you know, pop culture with my family, I'm, you know, or, or working out and motivation, like everything. Um, 
and I don't know, it's done pretty pretty well for me. And like I said, I would rather have people like who vibe with me and who enjoy me as a person and like respect like what I do uh, than to get like to have a million followers and just like be something I'm not. Yeah. You know, one of the things I <clears throat> I always like about your posts is it's a it's not I mean you got some good photography going on these days but but it's not just a photo and like a hashtag you have these long uh, explanations or these long thoughts that you're you're sharing and they're very authentic and they're very real and honest. I'm curious if you've ever if if the honesty and your willingness to stick your neck out has ever you know bitten you in the backside as a result either with your you know command what's funny or what? it's it's interesting that you say that because i was just having this conversation with my wife the other day um there were times where there are times where i post things where i'm like yep this is the one <laughs> this is gonna be the one that like where they come they, they're coming for me this time the job is <laughs> not gonna like this one or like yeah i'm definitely gonna get psyched off the job for this one or you know like things like that like but no, none of that's happened. And I tell guys that all the time because guys are always afraid to acknowledge that they have feelings mm-hmm. and that they feel certain ways about things, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to social media and the public, that I say, listen, man, I just tell people how, how I feel. I tell people what it is. I tell people about like my traumas and like everything that's going on in my life. And the job knows. I'm sure that like every police, every department that investigates our officers follows me in some way on social media to see what I'm doing and what I'm posting. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's on uh, on my job who is an influencer could tell you the exact same thing. Yeah, you, they know. Yeah, yeah. NYPD's got. I mean, you guys have a, a good handful. You're so big. You've got a handful of pretty popular guys. <clears throat> yeah. What's been the um, the best moment? that's come out of your social media and also the worst. Um, the best moment that's come out of my social media is just, there's so many, there's like so many like little things, but like the best thing that's come out of my social media is like, obviously like I thought it was pretty awesome to be in men's health twice. Mm -hmm. And honestly, one of the coolest things was that, uh, the rock, like Dwayne Johnson yeah. sent me, yeah. yeah, sent me an autographed picture, uh, congratulating on my me on my promotion and my weight loss and stuff, and like that was pretty awesome. That's pretty solid. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty solid thing. But like, like I said, like everything that ha- like I have little micro things mm-hmm. that I put up there too. Like when so every time somebody sends me a message and says that I helped them or that you know I, I'm helping them or whatever, mm-hmm. I can. To me, that rate's like almost as important as that to me. You know, like that's why I keep on doing it. If I didn't enjoy it and I didn't really like helping people, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And then the worst thing that's happened is like, listen, man, um, when it comes to any type of notoriety, especially on this in this job, this career that we have, people judge you and people don't like you and like you don't have fans and like there's been like a lot of shit talked about me, a lot of shit like said or whatever. And listen, I'm the type of guy, like I said, thick skin. I've been through enough shit. I don't care, but it just like sucks to like walk into a room and know that people feel like a certain way about you. Like I avoid those situations for a lot of reasons, but like there's been situations where I'm in where I'm like, if I stand up from this table right now, I know when I leave, everybody's going to fucking say some shit about me. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like an mm-hmm. awkward feeling. Whereas if like I wasn't on Instagram and I wasn't who I was, like it wouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, that's like the, really the most negative thing that's happened out of this, but for the, for everything else, uh, it's been very positive, like really, really positive stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems overwhelmingly, at least from the outside, that you know you're really making strides. And one of the things that's come of it is this new assignment, and it sounds like it's a new complete unit. Can you tell us about what you're doing now? Um, it's called the Health and Wellness Section. It started back in August. Um, obviously, there was a huge part of like the NYPD suicides that had a lot to do with the forming of this unit. But they were forming this unit uh, for a while before that, and um, 
that pretty much pushed it into existence. And what the unit wants to do is they want to make sure that cops know that it's okay. Not only is it okay to get mental help, they encourage you and want you to take care of yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, and they're providing resources on how to do that. Mm. You know, pretty much what my function there is, I have multiple functions. One, I run the Instagram page for them. Two, I, well, with me and, you know, another officer, one of two officers, uh, we run the Instagram page and I'm the, what's called the peer support sergeant, which we have our own peer support program where we train peers in obviously suicide identifiers and uh, the resources that are available. And, you know, we run them through a bunch of exercises and like gratitude and all this stuff and mindset and all these things. And then we also, obviously we provide them with like the ways to like, like it's workshops and like, and I'm telling you, it sounds like I'm going to make it sound like, Oh yeah. Well, what does that do? Well, I'm telling you, They'll make you sit across from somebody you don't know, and the per- they'll tell the person – they'll put you in a scenario, and the person across from you will be like, I want to kill myself. And, like, you have to, like, be like, okay, well, what do I do now? Like, right. in real life, you know, like mm-hmm. – and it's kind of it's, – it's good. And, you know, they train us – you know, we train them in, like, ways to do that, uh, ways to get them help, ways to, you know, provide resources for them. And uh, so there's that which is great. And, um, I also obviously deal with, uh, some of the fitness and nutrition stuff. So we provide, we're going out to precinct commands and like t- teaching guys how to work out, teaching them like what to eat, you know, and like what to eat properly about nutrition. Mm-hmm. We offer yoga classes for free on like NYPD, like job time. Wow. Right. So they can go. Yeah. So they can go and like take, yoga classes there's uh, a bunch of stuff like we're working on there's like a we were supposed to have a veterans uh, resiliency uh like seminar and every uh, veteran you know military veteran that was is in the new york city police department was invited to come and like speakers come and talk about resiliency and like and all this stuff but obviously it was canceled because of this whole thing uh, we have a retirement coordinator that helps people transition into retirement, which is a huge thing. Like when guys transition into becoming civilians again, um, we have so many people, we have obviously critical incidents. We we respond to critical incidents where there's anything, any type of trauma that we think that could, uh, affect an officer and be like, Hey, listen, you need to talk to somebody or whatever. Here are the resources available, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, yeah, we want, every member of this department to know that we care about them and that they should be taking care of themselves and that we encourage themselves to take care of themselves in every absolute, absolutely every way possible. Mm. It's so great to see the largest police force in the country, you know, approaching such a massive issue in such a proactive way, you know? Yeah. And, and I can only think that, especially down the East coast, uh, if if it's anything like it is here in California, when LAPD does something, it trickles out to the rest of us. You know, yeah. oftentimes pretty quickly. Um, ho- hopefully, the the organization of NYPD is going to move that down the coast and out east and out west faster than yeah. fast because it's such a unique approach. I, I'm not aware of another large organization anyway that's done it that holistically. You know, everything from yoga to the retirement coordinator. And I think those are all big things. Huge. Well, not only that, we have people in our office that are working on changing department policy to make things easier on our officers. Mm-hmm. And we also have our own psychologist that will obviously be taking like, like, you know, like the uh, referrals and all this other stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's just stuff that's like super important, especially when it comes to changing policy to make cops lives better. It's just such a it's just such a huge thing that just needs to be done. And like I said, the chief of the department, the police commissioner, they come 
to these peer support trainings, mm-hmm. and they are one hundred percent on board with what's going on. That's key, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, how cops are cops can be negative, and I would have been the same way for four or five years ago, and I would have been like, this is stupid, this is dumb, this is just a cover-your-ass thing, bullshit. And I'm telling you right now, from the inside, seeing it, it's real, and they definitely uh, they definitely support us. Well, you're certainly in the, one of the most unique positions of someone who can go into that position, too, because you were, like you said, four or five years ago, the guy that you're now trying to go out and reach out to, right? You, can, yeah. you, you walk that walk and talk that talk better than anybody because you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things we get to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up and have everybody... Uh, have you tell everybody where they can find you but one of the things one of the one of the big elements of the show and i don't know if you've listened since the last time you were on but uh, i talk i I talk a lot about being be the one right and so it's a quote that i have cut up and spliced up whatever but it's it's a it's an old quote it's a famous quote from heraclitus you know a greek philosopher and warrior back in the day and the quote is out of every 100 men 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. Nine are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one. One is a true warrior, and he will be the one to bring the others back. And so I talk about being the one. Be that one warrior to bring the others back. And not just from a military or an aggro standpoint, but in every way, shape, or form that we can be there to bring people back and so i wanted to ask and end with end with this question but ask you what does be the one mean to you how do you go out and be the one you go out i go out and be the one by first off being humble realizing that you're part of something that is way bigger than yourself not only in the department but the world having a clean perspective listening to people and helping every single person that you can along the way. Hmm. Excellent. I love it. Aaron, where can people find out about you and follow you on Instagram that we've been talking about? Uh, On Instagram, you can follow me at huge fat loser, H U G E underscore fat F A T underscore loser. And uh, yeah, you could also follow the NYPD health and wellness page at NYPD health and wellness. Um, Yeah, that's it. We'll put links uh, in the show notes for both of those so people can track you down as well. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for coming back on. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy reading what it is you have to say. Um, You always help me hit reset on my own bad attitude sometimes. Uh, And other times I'm right there with you pumping my fist and being like, yeah, get him. So thank you. So thanks for being such a big supporter of the show and what we're trying to accomplish, uh, you know, here on on this coast. Uh, And um, let's let's make it a a third visit sometime sooner than later. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anytime you want me on. We'll do. Thank you. Take care, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Squad Room. Uh, if you like what you heard today, please help us uh, spread the word of the show by sharing it with someone you know needs to hear what we talked about today. Consider leaving a review on the podcast player of your choice. That really helps us spread the word of the show. Please leave a comment with your review if you do. And if you have something negative, say say it. Uh, we learn from uh, from those suggestions as well. Uh, but you can go to the website, thesquadroom.net, and share this episode directly from the website by email or t- uh, social media that way. You can also share our podcast post about this with someone or share it in your feed to help people uh, learn about the show. And also join our Facebook group. Uh, just go over to Facebook and search the Squadroom group and that'll pop right up and you can uh, select to join. You know, thinking about Aaron and what he said today in relation to badges, Aaron is such a is such a perfect example of how uh, so badges, beliefs, actions, discipline, goals, emotions, and service, right? And Aaron is just a perfect example of how our beliefs really affect our actions. And that if we aren't disciplined in those beliefs, uh, we, we can really spiral and we can really go downhill. Um, but also positive beliefs create positive discipline. And so those things interact off each other. It's like a chemical reaction. And that 
we can't really clearly define our goals when we're having these negative beliefs and so on and so on. There's so much about badges and what Aaron encapsulates and what Aaron embodies that I just, I, I could probably make a whole episode just on that. Maybe I should. But for now, a special thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Signature Coins. If you're looking for a challenge coin for your agency or specialty unit, check them out at SignatureCoins.com. Use the coupon code the Squad Room for $50 off. They did a phenomenal job on the Squad Room coins that I have, and uh, very proud to be working with them. All right, until next time, take care of each other and stay safe.